Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast, episode number 52. My name is Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got with me Rohan. Good morning. Good morning. And an extra special good morning to our guest today from San Jose in California. It's Brendan. Hey, Brendan. Hi, good morning. All right. Thank you so much for getting up that little bit uh, extra early for us. We appreciate it. Time zones are never our friend on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How true that is. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily and securely access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. The configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. Oh, right. So 0.95 is here this release, uh, this week, and some pretty big changes. The first big change coming out this week is a massive overhaul to the Amazon Echo integration. We'll uh, attempt not to say the little lady's name in there, so you're devices don't keep activating. So through this release, 0.95 brings the ability for you to specify which entities are exposed to the Amazon Echo via the user interface. So you no longer need to do any things in the YAML files, such as, you know, uh, filters to include or exclude. You can all now manage that through the UI. There is also now the uh, option to send state changes to the Amazon app directly. If you want to use an Amazon Echo routine, so if you want to set up uh, when a door opens, the the Amazon Echo can maybe do something like start your morning flash briefing, or maybe if you have an input Boolean that you want to do that with, that's all can be done through the Amazon Echo app. So that's really cool. There's actually some cool things that you can do in with those routines that you can't do through Home Assistant. So it's cool that that is you can now uh, send that data over to the Amazon Echo. Yeah, I, I, a part of me really wishes that I can do that in Home Assistant via, even if that means, you know, you manually do it on, or sorry, you it Home Assistant reaches out to uh, the Echo application and, and you know, programs whatever for me, right? It's it's kind of that idea of having one single central brain. Mm. Um but but this is this is awesome. I know uh, last week uh, one of the things we didn't talk about yet is uh, we had the uh, I guess it was like a home assistant mini meetup. Uh, I was in San Diego last week, so uh, oh, myself yeah. and Paulus uh, met up, and uh, a few others joined. We had a, we had another four or five people join, and uh, we were just chatting about uh, home automation. And this actually came up, and I was showing the uh, Google Home integration to a couple of the folks, and uh, I'm I'm super happy to see the uh, Echo integration here too. So yeah, because I'm guessing this brings basically it into line with what you could were able to do with the Google Assistant, with you know entities being exposed that way. Yeah, exactly. And and I've played with the Google one. I haven't played with the uh amazon one yet but the the google one is you know simple enough to use and you know it's there it works it's great so i'm using it now so if you have previously specified uh any filters for your amazon echo devices uh you will need to remove them from yaml i got caught out with that i was looking oh why is the ui all grayed out like i can't press any buttons but at the top there was a little message just to say that i needed to update my yaml so once again, things are moving away from the YAML in the config side of things. But yeah, it was seamless enough and made sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so some new stuff coming up uh, this release. Uh, so there's going to be a little better support for moving Home Assistant uh, installations. So i.e. if you're living on a boat like Adam or <laughs> an RV which moves around, Home Assistant itself can actually... Uh, has now support to update the GPS coordinates of your home location. So uh, if you're in a mobile home, then great. There you go. You can you know where your home is now. Yeah. 
that's really cool. It won't affect uh, a lot of users, but I think the ability to just update the, the GPS coordinates when you've got one of those houses, because that affects a lot of things, you know, like sunset times and, and all that. So really cool little addition. Yeah. Or or even if you're, again, if you had like the RV example is great. And let's say you're doing a trip across the country or, you know, whatever, across Europe or something like that. Yeah. Well, cool. Now, now you can stick home assistant on there. You can start automating all that stuff, but also like to your point, Hey, when is sunset wherever it is that I am? Right. So I think uh, that's, that's great. If you're a user of the AdGuard component or the AdGuard system, it's now being added as a component to home assistant. So AdGuard is a network wide uh, ad blocking system. And with the home assistant component, you can now control it from home assistant front end and uh, you can even uh, automate it. So for example, you could block social media sites during the day and then, you know, once it gets to past a certain point, then you can allow them back on. So this is really good for people like that might have kids that don't, you know, want to control screen time that can now all be uh, automated through Home Assistant. And maybe if you're really cheeky, you can turn the adult filters off when you're home alone or something like that. <laughs> uh, another new uh, update to Google Cloud text-to-speech there's a text-to-speech provider from Google, which is paid, and uh, they've got over 100 voices, 20 languages, so on and so forth. So there's a couple of pricing options uh, around. So one is for more natural-sounding voices, uh, which uh, sounds like it's about 16 bucks uh, US uh, per million characters. So that's a, that's a good way of pricing it, I guess. Uh, and, yeah. then, uh, and then there's $4 for... I guess the less natural sounding voices uh, that are uh, it's four dollars for a million characters. So yeah, there's some integration in there now uh, with Home Assistant for that too. Yeah, so that's separate to the Google Translate integration. So if you're using the Google Translate right. API, uh, that's that's remaining. It's not being replaced, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, uh, Rohan, this is one you'll enjoy. I know you're really big on the safety ones. Uh, the Queensland uh, bushfire alerts protocol is now in the Geo RSS. A component that was added a very long time ago now. Uh, yeah. There's now the ability for that to uh, pull in data to for the bushfires that may be happening in Queensland, which is in Australia. So I really, yeah, another good addition there for safety. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, some breaking changes. Uh, so the Life360 integration, uh, if you're familiar with the app, that uh, it's mostly, I guess it's for really for couples and that kind of... Families and, yeah. Families and, and you know, messaging each other and so on and so forth finding out where you are. Um, so the uh, Life360 integration, it's been it's been around a while, but it's been broken for quite a bit. But if you're testing things out before and using the custom Life360 component, this release actually has the official component in it. So there, there might be a breaking change for you there or, you know, Go in and use the official component. That's uh, that's that's the option there too. Yeah, which is well, it's good to see it come back. I think. Yeah, I know a lot of people were like, "Ah, oh, it's broken. What am I going to do now?" And I was like, just use the custom component. Yeah, quite a few people use it. Yeah, it's very popular. All right, I'm actually going to play a little theme tune for this one because I think this is a another little breaking change from the internet this week. <laughs> Uh, Uber has decided to close off their API, uh, effectively removing any third parties from being able to access uh, Uber data. So if you were using the Uber component in Home Assistant, you had the ability to see you know, live uh, estimated travel times and arrival times of an Uber pickup to you. And there's also real-time pricing information. Uh, Uber's decided <laughs> with 
really bad communication to just disable that uh, API for everyone. Well, at least for me, but I'm guessing a lot of people will be affected by this. Uh, they basically said that I had a month's notice and the email then stated uh, it was a, the date the following week. So it was basically like I had four or five days notice, even though they claimed a month. Um, so that API, I believe, was shut down on June 13th or something. So it's gone. And as of because of that, the uh, Uber component is no longer necessary. So it's once again, another company just closing off third parties and there will be an API. It's only available for you know specific companies that want to deep link into the uber app right uh so it's a shame to see that go but i'm guessing you know if the unless there was a real big use case uh for you know getting travel time and pricing information maybe you had some awesome automation set up that can't be used anymore i'd be sad about that but i don't think it's it's probably not a mission critical api to be destroyed but i am still I'm really annoyed at the way Uber just decided to close it off. Yeah, and and we we kind of slammed Google and Nest a little bit uh, a few weeks ago, and you know at least at least they gave a little bit of time to say, hey, you know what, this is happening in X amount of months, and then you know you can get grandfathered in, so on and so forth, right? Yeah. Here, at, at Uber definitely did not. Uh, that, I mean, I, I don't use the API, but it doesn't sound like they actually gave a whole lot of options here. Just going, hey, yeah, we're pulling it in, you know, a week or month or whatever it actually ended up being. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's that's kind of just crappy. Yeah, I guess when yeah. you're the big player in the in the world, you can just do what you want. I guess. Yeah, yeah. But touching on Nest, the uh, Nest.com is uh, actually now redirecting to the Google Store, I believe. So even if you uh, want if you want to access any of the developer portals, I think you need to actually know what those URLs were, that they're still there, but th- because the nest.com website was, at least when we're recording this, was just taken down, yeah. there's nowhere to get back into those. So Google's doubling down on that commitment to get rid of Nest. I think they said by the end of July, didn't they? So they're starting to redirect people away from, from the site completely, so... Yeah, which which makes which kind of I get it to some extent. Again, especially when you have uh, a retail business, you're not you're not or a consumer facing retail business, Mm. you're not going to have 17 different websites where people want to go. You can just have kind of one portal, right, and start to say, "Hey, go to you know store.google.com or whatever it is to go buy your phones and Nest devices and." you know, whatever, whatever else, uh, you may have, right. And, and Chromecast and so on and so forth. So, so I, I, I get that part. Yeah, sure. It might be a little frustrating, but, but I get it just, uh, you know what the trying, trying to be a little positive here. It, it does help streamline kind of where you look for any Google products. Right. So, yeah, especially when they're adopting that Nest brand, yeah. everything will be the Nest hub and, and all that. So that's a positive, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Brendan, this is, this is where we, uh, come to you there's a lot of other breaking changes in the home assistant release this week uh, we haven't touched on them because they're pretty technical but uh if you are affected just you know, be sure to check out the release notes but brendan this is your time to to shine so we uh i guess we should start off with where or, or how long you've been using home assistant for all right sounds good um yeah i've been using home assistant since uh what around seven late 16 early 17 yeah i was using some other home automation software previously 
and uh, I jumped into Home Assistant. I was, you know, trying to decide between Open Hab and Home Assistant. I remember at that time, and I the the Python is really kind of what sealed the deal for me. I was yeah sort of learning in this, wanted to learn more Python scripting, and so that's that's what I did. Do you have like a software developer background or anything like that that would make you oh, no, want I'm... to not? Use Python? Uh, no. Well, yeah, I guess the Java thing from OpenHab, you know, a lot of <laughs> IT people aren't really Java happy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that was kind of a setback on on that part. But now with Docker and stuff, I feel like I'm not so anti-Java just because it's easy to move between machines. But but yeah, Python was a, a big push, big uh, benefit. So yeah, I have an IT background. Exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. So, so, you, so you mentioned uh, kind of you were dabbling with a couple. Uh, how long have you been kind of home automating just in or automating your home just in general, even without uh, Home Assistant or, or any other platforms? What? Uh, yeah. So, in uh, around 2012, I started. Uh, I got like a, I got a condo and decided I wanted to do lights and locks and all this stuff. And it was it was sort of before the Internet of Things. IoT world sort of took off, so it was a little bit different landscape, I'd say. But yeah, it was a different program. I did a, basically a similar setup, where I had uh, the software application as kind of the main hub of the house. I didn't have like a like a Leviton or an Omni panel, yeah, sort of as the as the main point. So it was basically the same same deal. Interesting. Okay, that's cool. So and and. From from a controller perspective, kind of what was the what was your like first controller or like first brain of a of so the first program I used was uh the software called Charms Cork. Okay, it was it's a Windows it's a it was a Windows based or it still is actually a Windows based application. It's very powerful in what you can do. Sometimes more so than Home Assistant, but I was running into problems and it was just it, it didn't quite fit for me. So yeah, I, I switched out, and uh, actually I switched to Home Assistant short right after we got I got married because I didn't want to make that switch like before because we were super busy with mm-hmm. you know all the wedding stuff, right. and then so I got half of it ready, and then like right after we got back from our honeymoon, I started you know flipping the switches and making the transition more more rapidly. So, so you just said there, and I thought it was very brave of you coming onto the the Home Assistant podcast to say that something else was more powerful than than Home Assistant. What makes you? What was that CQC could do better than Home Assistant in some? Like, where do you think it was more mm-hmm. powerful? Um, CQC has been around for ages, um, way before when I got onto it. So it has a lot of, uh, I guess, more legacy home automation. Uh, mm-hmm. feel to it it's it can it has this whole thing where it can control your media it can you can create a GUI using uh, your windows a windows application and you know draw forms kind of like in uh, you know like a VB uh, form designer um, yeah. and you can create your own buttons and what they do you it has its own scripting language its own um, it has its own IDE. It's 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 modular, so you can run different components on different computers. Um, so it is it's pretty powerful software. Um, the I guess one of the big drawbacks is it's one developer, and um, 
it's uh and because of that it doesn't have a lot of what home assistant has you know you go to the home assistant website and it has like a thousand in or more mm. integrations and yeah yeah cqc is you know they don't have a lot of people um, involved because it's a paid application and you know it's not open source so you know the integrations don't come out as fast and they are not as there's not as many so and it's not as like hackish you know where you can uh script right under the covers you know integrate right. with like a side scripts i mean it's just because it runs on windows it's just a little more difficult and it the way the developer design cqc is is very it's somewhat closed where everything sort of runs inside of it yeah and that sort of limits you know the expandability to the hackish you know things that i would i personally find appealing mm. so yeah that's interesting and i guess that's the problem right like when you've got you know, closed source versus open source even got one developer that can really push out those updates and and then you see like this is where the the benefit of open systems really come in yeah yeah for yeah sure. and 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 again linux too right it's just a lot more scriptability a lot more of that kind of stuff um yep precisely and yeah. portable yeah exactly which i guess is a, a good segue into my, my next question for you brendan which is you mentioned before you you're familiar with docker so are you running like how are you running home assistant have you got a, a raspberry pi somewhere with docker spun up and or has io or anything <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, I run Home Assistant in a Python virtual environment on sort of an industrial uh, heatsink computer. Um, okay, I, that's interesting. I I uh, I had a Raspberry Pi for a while that I used as a add-on to CQC to do audio, yeah, know, the, mm -hmm. the uh, text-to-speech, because CQC didn't have a it didn't have a great thing, so I made, rolled my own. Uh, with a Raspberry Pi, and I went through all the just in that I just had you know the the flashcard issues, and so I, I abandoned that pretty quickly. Hmm. Interesting. That's cool. And so I'm guessing is that like physically located at your house, like that special heatsink server? Yeah, it is. Yes, it's in my house. Nice. For a while, actually, I I ran CQC in the cloud, but um, the developer didn't like he he was. I was having problems and he was concerned that that was kind of the reason for my issues. But right. um, so I stopped doing that a while back and it turned out that wasn't the case, but I never made it back to the cloud. Right, right, right. Yeah. Did you ever have to worry about, you know, hey, my internet's going down or, you know, whatever like that? Or or is it that, you know, you don't find your home automation stuff as critical? Um, The internet here rarely goes down, but... Yeah. I mean, there's always like a secret, you know, non-home automation way to get in or to the house or, you know, whatever, yeah. control the lights. I mean, it's kind of crippled, but you can still operate. It's not the end of the world, I guess. So, sure. Yeah. Interesting. So, so what, uh, I mean, good segue here is uh, what, what, so what, what do you use in your home? Like what components do you have? Uh, I have a laundry list. I don't know if I want to. We're gonna go through everything, but um, <laughs> well, that's fine. Just high level. <laughs> I would say the some of the main things. Uh, obviously, the lighting. I would touch on that because it's I'm not, I, it's pretty unique. I have this technology called UPB. Okay. Quick way, what that is, it works over the power lines. 
So the signals run through the power lines. It's not wireless or anything. Um, and I use that for outlets and, and lights. Similar to the old X10 home automation yeah, protocol? exactly. Very cool. Exactly. Just like X10, but a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Then I have a... Like a, re, a, a, a there's this company CAI that makes this web control they call it, and I use that for a lot of things. Um, I guess it's basically like an ESP eighty two sixty six kind of, but a little bit more um, flexible in the fact that you can uh, program PLC code on it, which oh. makes it pretty cool because then you can sort of it has its own built-in internal automation as well as you know you can control it and get data out of it from uh, uh http so oh. so i use that to control my um, furnace uh, the sprinklers the door locks and some other stuff so that's pretty pretty handy device very cool. Wow. So do you have like multiple of them like spread across the house, like doing various tasks? Um, I have two of them in the garage and all the wires run to to it, to the oh, central right. location. Yeah. So, yeah. but um, yeah, you definitely could spread them around. They have a um, humidity and temperature uh, sensor connections on them as well. So you can use it to, you know, do other stuff. So like if I have PLC code, for example, on it that says... Uh, the furnace can't run for more than 30 minutes in one go and uh, the furnace won't run if the internal the the temperature in the house is over 75 degrees so just in case you know my home automation software blows up or goes crazy yeah yeah oh that's cool okay hey everyone i just wanted to take a minute to talk about the eufy video lock it's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling it's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's really cool. So how did you push that data into Home Assistant uh, using like MQTT or or anything to make that accessible to Home Assistant to control? Uh, it's actually uh, just HTTP gets every, on a, it's a polling cycle. So ah, every, nice. every so often, yeah. Yeah, cool. so I'm guessing like a, a REST sensor or a REST switch you've got set up in yeah. Home Assistant. Like, yeah, if you need to, you can just, yeah, grab data out of it. And yep, that's precisely. really cool. Yep. I have the whole, uh, I guess if we're going to move on here, uh, I got the whole Xiaomi world with Zigbee to MQTT. I think that's very popular. So yeah. I don't know if there's yeah. much to say there. How about uh, how about anything for uh, for presence? Are you? Oh, yeah. You guys ask everybody that. That's right. Yeah. It's one of our favorite <laughs> topics. Because <laughs> everyone's unique. Yeah. The, the presence thing, um, that's, I just was 
so one of the things I started to do with CQC was I want to just ping the phones, you know, and see if they're somebody's home based on pinging the phones. Yeah. Because there was really no fancy presence back then. And um, uh, that's actually what uncovered a bunch of bugs, some bugs in CQC. But so that's what I was doing for a long time, just pinging. And then I put a button. Uh, it's part of the UPB system that uh, next to the door uh, that basically you press when you leave and you're gone. And it's it's super simple and it's you know works reliably. I don't do anything like amazingly fancy like I hear some people with you know Bluetooth and uh, GPS and all that stuff. So Bayesian sensors working at probabilities if someone's mm, where exactly someone's in the house and, yeah you can get very complicated in that. But yeah, yeah, it's dead simple. It's just if somebody's home or not. So, and it flips the switch when you press the button on the way out. Nice. Okay. That's awesome. So what's, what's some of your favorite uh, kind of automations that you've got with kind of everything that you, that you talked about? Uh, one of my favorite ones is the, uh, one for cycling. It's not that complicated, but it's just so cool when you get home from bike going from a bike ride and the garage door automatically opens. It's based on Robbie's, you know, um, app. And you know how the the iPhone has uh, activity uh, data that it reports. So, yeah. so that's that was that. I thought that was super awesome. Oh, so you've actually hooked up your Home Assistant app to be able to see what activity you're doing. So, in the case of you know riding a bike, it will know that okay, you're riding a bike, and that will report to Home Assistant. So then, when you get home, it will know to open the garage door for you. Exactly. Instead of yeah, instead of unlocking the front door, it opens the garage door. So. Yeah, that's nice. really smart. Yeah. That's awesome. That's actually the first time I think I've heard of anybody use uh the activity sensors like that. That's that's wicked. Yeah, I was excited to hear that that was capable and set it up, so. Yeah. How reliable do you find it? Uh so far it's worked 100% of the time, it hasn't failed yet. Wow. So. Yeah. Knock on wood. <laughs> now that's awesome. Some of the other automations that are pretty cool. The lawn is, I like that because uh, you can program, you know, your own custom watering schedule based on weather and, you know, times and all that. So that's mm-hmm. pretty, that's pretty handy. So have you got that programmed through Home Assistant or are you using something like Open Sprinkler or another like sprinkler management system to do that? So yeah, it's all Home Assistant because the, the solenoids for the lawn are all plugged into that those web control boards. Right. All right. Yep. So, uh, yeah, you just, it's just HTTP commands to turn the sprinklers on and off. And that's all, uh, d- the logic is all done through home assistant. So nice. Yeah. That's nice. Oh, the vacuum. That's, that's, I, I got I, crazy with the vacuum recently. Like one of those robot vacuum cleaners. Yeah, exactly. But I don't want, I don't want to have to decide if I should run the vacuum or not. Right. And I don't want, I want like a dynamic schedule. So I set it up so it, it runs and then it reminds you, wait, what it does is it, so when you wake up in the morning, it runs like the whole, you know, regular automations and then it puts a delay and then 15 minutes later, it sends a notification saying, do you want to run the vacuum on your phone? And it gives you like a list of all the areas in the house you got to remember to like make sure it doesn't get stuck, you know? <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So you got to like pick up your USB cables and like some socks on the floor (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. And then, 
And then if you hit yes or no, then it sets a flag. And then when you leave the house, the, the vacuum runs based on your yes or no. So I thought that was fun. Oh, nice. So basically, if you let's say let's say in your closet, you've got socks on the ground. So you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to hit no. So don't do that room. Um, and then and then it kind of does whatever else is, is that it's it's all or nothing. So you either you either got the house ready for it or not. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So it's basically saying, all right, before you go, do you want me to clean your house? If you do, you yep. need to clean up your stuff first and then I'll, I'll, I'll vacuum for you. Exactly. Exactly. So I had some That's fun really with cool. that. So I can see here you've got like, because I'm really big on, on Xiaomi stuff. You've got um, a, a doorbell and a mailbox. I'm guessing uh, a sensor to detect when your your mail's done so does xiaomi have a like a, an official like zigbee doorbell that you use or have you done something else with it oh so so the doorbell um i have one of those old 20 i think it's like a 24 volt ac doorbell yeah um, right, yep so you know great ideas online like always uh just shove a xiaomi contact sensor on your doorbell and it's got the uh the magnetic um, trigger yeah, yeah. and yeah. there that's how I did it I just uh, I came up with some I, initially I came with some way complicated things that did not work out um, very well and then I tried the Xiaomi thing and it was so elegantly simple and it works perfectly and then that triggers some automations that use the facial recognition and some other stuff but yeah it's it works flawlessly the Xiaomi thing Interesting. So what are you what are you using for facial recognition? Is that the stuff that's built in or is that uh are you are you doing something else? Um I use Facebox actually. Okay. Which I don't know if it's built in. I I spun up a Docker container I remember for it, but basically it sends so the you if the house is set in a certain mode, I have it so if somebody rings the doorbell and it's in a special mode, then the door will unlock for the for the you know the person mm-hmm. at the door, so that way I can sort of give people access, mm-hmm. you know, when but I don't have to actually control their access like real time, so they can. So would that use like facial recognition to say, all right, when I press the button, it will recognize someone's face and then unlock the door automatically for them, or will it just send you a notification and prompt you to unlock the door? whenever the doorbell is pressed. No, yeah, it just unlocks it for them and sends me a notification. Oh, that's sweet. That's cool. Yeah, so that way yeah, people can get, can get in. But it's obviously not like Apple's um, 3D facial recognition. So somebody yeah, could theoretically yeah. just, hey, print out a picture. and Sure. But who really knows about... Now the whole world knows, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe don't maybe maybe you got to change it up a little bit now. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell everyone to wear a fake mustache when they want to use that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, there you go. No, that's cool. That's uh, that's interesting. Okay. And I'm guessing just the vibration sensor is just, and whenever the mailbox gets oh, on the mailbox with it, yeah, just knows to tell you that there's been mail in there. Yeah, precisely. That's exactly how the mailbox functions. That's really cool. I actually have a a letterbox which is really like a pain in the bum to be able to see if there is mail in there. So I might have to, to yeah. borrow that. Yeah. yeah. I just put it on the side and the mailman just kind of, the whole thing kind of vibrates. So yeah, right, that right, makes right. sense. That's cool. Yeah. Either that or somebody just hit your mailbox. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just entirely possible, but 
Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out if there's anything I because I've got a I've got a community mailbox, right? So it's like one of those. I don't I don't know if mm. you guys have them there, but like a giant thing with mm. you know like 19 or 20 or whatever mailboxes in there, and uh, you know I've got a slot in there, right? And it's like okay, you know, and 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 it's technically owned by Canada Post for us. It's not yeah. my property, right? So I don't know. I don't know what how much I can do, or you know, I don't know if the mail person's going to be like, nope, I'm ripping this out or, or how that works. So, and, and they, so, because for me, I've got my door, but they can actually open the main door that has all my, all the, the residences doors. Right. So, so, so I don't know. Cause they just, they just open, they just have a key. They turn it open one big thing and they just get the slots. Whereas I can only access my one little slot. So I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know. I've open ideas if anybody's got (laughs) Can you put like a, a motion sensor inside it? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's pretty. How far away is it from your house? Like it's right across the street, so it's it's like a few meters out from my house. So you could put like maybe a motion sensor in there, and as soon as it detects, you know, like a letter going into it, mm-hmm. it will be able to send a signal to you to say, "Hey, I've detected motion, therefore you've got mail." Possibly, but it might still pick up the person, right? Because yeah. if they open the main uh, uh, main door, then it'll detect them yeah, moving. Yep. Maybe maybe TensorFlow is good enough now to detect a, a mailman. <laughs> maybe actually, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> stick stick a little uh, Wi-Fi camera in there. My, my Wi-Fi does reach out there, so <laughs> just have it. Yeah, battery powered cam. Yeah, just, just a little like a tiny little spy cam, just for the size of it, and stick it in there. And <laughs> that, running you have back to, to check TensorFlow. the batteries like every day. You may as well just go out and check the mail. <laughs> that's true though it's also enclosed in a giant metal box so i don't know what that's going to do for uh for, yeah, for rf from problem, wi-fi right? <laughs> yeah that's tough i mean i think there's bigger problems but <laughs> but yes that is one of the problems those are the fun ones that's right that's right oh man and what sort of um custom skills are you running for your amazon echo oh yeah shoot you know what i don't even uh the one i can it's been so long since i've touched any of that stuff but uh there i know you can set the channel of the tv you know you can just say like turn on fox or abc or whatever Mm -hmm. that kind of thing i i I did um but i switched uh, i i converted a lot of them to uh uh the smart home routines i guess amazon came out with that oh Um, yes yes So I tried to switch it over to that as much as possible, but there are still some things like you can, because it's nice you can, uh, when you do the custom skill, you could Amazon will then talk back to you whatever you want it to say. Yeah, that's right. Whereas I guess with the smart with the smart home stuff, you can't do that. So you can ask her the the temperature, and it'll tell you all the temperature stats. That's one thing we use a lot still. That's still on the uh, the the custom skill. Cool. Because I think with routines, you can. I think one of the actions is you can actually get her to say a response now. So, like, if you had a, a routine, for example, like, uh, play this style of music, mm-hmm. you can have her, like, do her routine, and then the last action would be, you know, um, say on the device that was spoken to this sentence. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you exactly. can't make it dynamic, if that makes sense. Exactly, so it, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's fixed. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. You, you can't – she won't tell you which windows are open or – or anything. Yeah. Yeah. She'll just say, hey, windows are open. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've actually started to do um, essentially uh, text-to-speech, right? So whenever somebody opens the door, it'll say, hey, front door is open, back door is open, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a cool uh, custom component for that. I'm actually uh, writing a blog post around just kind of what that is. But yeah, it's 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 pretty neat. I mean, so there may be some ways to leverage that, right? Where Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, even, even if it's a little clunky and you say, Hey, you know, I want to, I'll have like a Boolean switch. And if that switch is triggered, then read out this and this and this information. And now all that stuff gets pulled from home assistant. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's uh Keaton Taylor's media player you're talking about. Is that right? Uh, there, there's actually a couple of different components. Yeah. So, so the one, uh, I'm using is Keaton Taylor's, uh, media component. There's uh-huh. also, uh, one from, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Walt Howd. Hmm. and uh which is h-a-l-x uh t-t-s sorry i said the word <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's what it's called can't help it uh but yeah no i'm i'm using the uh media player one that uh, keaton taylor uh built and it's, it's great yeah i actually started using that one a little bit as well it's it's been working relatively well other than the fact that you have to renew the cookies every once in a while yeah yeah oh so that's not automatic no you have to delete the pickle file and then uh re I did redo the capture, I guess, like every six uh, weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, that's annoying. Bloody captures. I know. I know. Uh, yeah, that's what happens when we make these workarounds that aren't really supported. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so, I mean, how do you primarily interact with your, with your home automations? Is it, you know, is it just everything kind of does itself and then you augment with voice or tablets or something like that? Or do you use your phones or? Yeah, it's just uh, uh, mostly through Alexa, I'd say. Yeah. Um, there's a couple things we'll do with the phone, like sometimes the door lock, uh, like I don't have real IoT door locks, there's like DIY. And so sometimes the, the uh, lock unlock gets out of sync. So you kind of have to fiddle with that on the phone. Right. Um, but uh, uh, then there's, so yeah, 90%, I'd say, is turn on the TV, you know, change the channels. Sometimes we use that and then turn on all these, you know, the house fan and all that right. kind of stuff. So Okay. That's uh, that's kind of cool. And and what kind of stuff are you, uh, I mean, home automation is uh, one of those constantly ongoing projects. So do you have any plans to expand what you're doing or are there any other automations you want to add? Things like that. What's what's your ideal to do list? Uh, the weather's been getting hot, so I tried this last year. The portable AC unit. I have this, mm-hmm. you know, IR controlled thing. Um, so I was trying to figure out. I think I'm going to try to figure out again if I can get it working. But it's sharp, and I don't know the IR codes, and I don't have an IR reader. Um, right. So that's on my list of to dos. I don't. I've. I think I've looked for the IR codes once, but didn't find them. So I'm going to try that again. Could um, you get something like uh, like a Sensibo or even like a maybe a Broadlink IR blaster? Maybe I think they – I know the, the Sensibo definitely you just like point at it and you put like uh, – it'll ask you, you know, what's the point uh, your remote and press the off button and then it will detect, you know, the brand of uh, AC that it is and then it will, you know, match its codes because it'll have like a database full mm-hmm. of codes already so you could probably use something like that although it is cloud-based alternatively i think there's a um i've got a couple of they are called remotech uh zxt 120s 
They are a Z-Wave IR blaster. They are designed for uh, AC units, and they once again have a whole bunch of manufacturers pre-built into the unit. So uh, in the Z-Wave config, you just change it. All right, this is the manufacturer. Set this to this config, and then just trial and error. Attempt to turn yeah. it off and on and see if it works. So could I just send you the brand? And it sounds like you know all this stuff, and you could send me the IR codes. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the- I, I actually just Googled it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Maybe we have I, an answer for you. Well, um, I, I Googled the Sensibles uh, website, right? And uh, I just typed Sharp, and they're like, yep, we support Sharp, right? So it should be able to detect the uh, IR codes like you were saying. Yeah. I don't know if that means yeah. you can steal the IR codes off of them or what, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think they share that. So, yeah, it, that's uh, it, the annoying it, bit. If you if you want the actual raw codes to send yourself through like a your own IR blaster, then I'm guessing that would be pretty hard to come by. Yeah, yeah, and the only the only thing is, it's uh, I'm just looking right now. The Sensible on sale is like 120 bucks, right? So it's yep. not the cheapest uh, of sensors, right? As with most home automation things, but uh, uh-huh. so yeah, if you're looking for DIY, then yeah, that may be like seven dollars rather than like 120 right <laughs> yep i ha- yeah i have a blaster just no codes so I'll, yeah. i gotta figure this out yeah yeah i like when my parents come and i'm on vacation that's a problem because i don't know how other people do this but i have a billion automations and none of them check if i'm on vacation or not and there's mm. i always forget to add the logic for vacation yeah. to automations Right. And so now it's just a, a just a total mess under the hood. It's like I I don't even want to touch it. So <laughs> I'm trying to figure out like maybe there's an easy way to do it that's going to be built into Home Assistant soon. Like they'll expand like the person component or the areas or something. I don't know. I it's just kind of overwhelming at this point. Yeah. So interesting. I've got a, a couple of ways i do so i have you know two locations where guests could be one in the the living room on the the pull-out couch or in the spare bedroom slash office and you know once again like if someone's walking into my office at 3 a.m in the morning and they're a guest they don't necessarily want the, the lights to come on so i just use input booleans in home assistant you know is a guest staying in this room and if so you know mm-hmm. the logic is in those automations you know but I'm guessing if you don't want to go in and edit, you know, all those automations and add in that logic, maybe you could have, you could just disable those automations completely because you can actually turn an automation off and on in Home Assistant. Yeah. So what I would do is I would put all the automations that you don't want to fire when there's someone over into a group, into a Home Assistant group. And then when you flick that Boolean on, there would be just another automation that goes, all right, anything that's in this group, turn it off. Mm. And then when the guest is gone, you flick it back on and it re-enables all those automations at once. So that would work perfectly, it sounds like, except I use AppDemon for most of my automations. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But okay. App De- Well, you know what? AppDemon allows you to do constraints. AppDemon allows you to set constraints. So I think you could do like an input Boolean on the, on the app. That sets a constraint right. so the so the callbacks don't run while that constraint is fulfilled or something. So maybe you could do something similar like that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean I mean it's it's different method of doing it, just same same concept though, right? I mean yeah. mine's mine's not too too different. Mine's actually a lot simpler than Phil's, which is 
I have an input Boolean and that says, you know, and, and I'll trigger it by telling my echo to turn on guest mode. Mm-hmm. And uh, and basically that just basically disables. Uh, it doesn't even disable some automations. It just runs through another list of turn off these things. Like when I say like hey good night or whatever, it'll only turn off. Like it won't turn off the guest bedroom light and the guest bathroom lights and things like that. Because I don't want to you know leave people in the dark when they're in the <laughs> washroom or or what have you. So oh, yeah, uh, the classic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just cause, or or even though, even if it's in the you know, if I'm staying up and like I'm watching a movie or something in my uh, uh, just in my room and, and you know, somebody else is trying to sleep. I don't want like b- basically all of my automations are paused for that room. Yep. Right. Or they don't get triggered. It's not that they're the automation itself is paused. It's just it's a separate automation that just uh, doesn't run. And then, you know, when I say, hey, uh, good night, it just it that actually does a check of is guest mode on or off. And then based on that, it'll run the specific script. Yeah. I mean, I, again, it's, it's super simple. It's very, it's not efficient in any way, but it works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you tell it, you know, do you have like two scripts? Like one script is a general good night and a, another script is uh, a good night when there's guests and you trigger it that way. Or like, I'm just thinking of the flow. Like how, how do you, it's one good night script right. that I have. And, uh, and it's just that goodnight script checks if my guest mode Boolean is on or off. So if it's on, then it'll run one set of things. If it's off, it'll run another set of things, right? So it's basically, it's a nested automation, right? And then it says, if guest mode on, then turn off this, turn off this, turn off this. If not, yep. then just turn off this, right? So um, Right, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to picture your automation. So in the trigger, is that where it's turning everything off? Yeah. Oh, sorry, in the action? In the, yep. in the action, yes. Yeah. So do you have like it turn all the main stuff off and then you've got a condition at the the bottom if guest mode is off, also turn these things off? Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, pretty simple actually. It, it's it's straightforward. It's 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 honestly stupid easy, right? So even if you do something like that with, with App Demon and and you know, again, the simplest way that I, I thought of like two years ago or when I heard as I made this, it was it's just you know what? Turn off uh, certain things. Don't turn off other things, and just control that based on based on a boolean, right? And if you want to go further, then you use something like what Phil said: is Hey, great. How do I? Uh, or you know, I know that the person's crashing on the couch. Great. Then you have different zones that you trigger. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just just a if statement. <laughs> so. And then I guess if you want to really automate it, you track them through Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. <laughs> so whenever they come over and they're connected. <laughs> Which, which we laugh, but I've done it before. Yeah, it's, so it's true. Know. It's true. You can. Happy bubbles yeah. or whatever. The Yeah, exactly, right? And then if they're at home, like if they're in your house after you know, 9 p.m., then clearly they're staying the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you just haven't kicked them out early enough. And, you know, it switches on the, the guest mode and away it goes for you. I guess that's yep. yeah. Yeah, taking it to the next level. But Yeah, exactly. But... Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, exactly. You can do like a happy bulls, or or even simply just you know check your wireless network or check your check your router. Is you know you'll need to know their MAC address, but is MAC address A B C D uh, connected? Yeah, okay, then you know Buddy is here, right? Yeah, but yeah. then you don't know what room they are in. You know, you need. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. Yeah, if if you if you want that level of resolution, then then you do NFC. Uh, <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. Um, Brennan, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap things up? Um, nothing specific. I can ramble on and on about home automation all the time, but yeah, I think, (laughs) 
I, I think we're uh, pretty good for the day. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time. You have a, a really interesting setup. I really like your, your do-it-yourself uh, approach. You've just... I don't think we've had anyone that's got a, a a cooled server like yours and and using, you know, Xiaomi buttons for, for doorbells. So, like, yeah, really cool setup. And thanks for sharing it with us. Sure. Yeah, it's awesome. I had a good time. All right. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Take care. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.